It is episode 484 of the Locked On Texas Rangers podcast. I'll be talking a little bit about breaking down, finishing up, breaking down the World Series, and a few under the radar pitchers that are free agents this offseason that I think the Rangers should really take a serious, serious look at to come into their rotation and stabilize it just a little bit next year. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get started. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On the Texas Rangers. I'm your host, Bryce Paddock. Here we are officially in the off season. We are in November. There is no more baseball for many, many moons and, uh, you know, as sad as that makes us, at least the last baseball we got to see was the Astros losing the World Series. That was absolutely delightful. We've got all kinds of free agency stuff that's going to be coming up. I know a lot of that stuff gets done in December, but with some of the lockout stuff on the way, I think, you know, it might happen a little bit earlier this year. We've already seen teams make trades. We've already seen, you know, news about Buster Posey. Um, I guess just really one big trade. But, you know, I feel like things are going to happen a little bit quicker this year or they're going to happen a whole whole lot slower um, i think teams maybe more players might be anxious to you know secure a contract before the current cba is up uh, at the very beginning of december and i think that might make this november a little bit more busy than we've seen in years past but let's look at the final baseball series that we had this season and you know it was a really fun world series now looking back in hindsight it was definitely stressful at the beginning, um, Jorge Soler hitting the first ever leadoff home run in World Series history. That was a lot of fun. Um, not fun was Charlie Morton breaking his leg and still somehow staying in the game. Still absolutely one of the most phenomenal things I think I've ever seen. Um, AJ Minter coming in that game and securing the game one. Great game then from Luke Jackson. Um, none of these starting pitchers ever went very far. I mean, Charlie Morton broke his leg. He still went further than Framer Valdez did in game one. Valdez got absolutely lit up for a pair of home runs and five runs. And it just was a continuing theme from throughout the entire postseason of these guys who were absolute, you know, legends and workhorses. Well, not as much legends and workhorses in this one, a lot more, you know, younger guys that who have established themselves as pretty solid, but um, still not a whole lot of depth there. I mean, Arkiti and Max Fried both went five innings in game two when um, the Astros ended up taking that one and, one of their very few wins in this World Series. Um, but again, we look on to uh, look on to game three, and Ian Anderson went five hitless innings. He was in the middle of a no-hitter, and uh, let's see, how many pitches had he thrown at that point when they pulled him out? Um, 76. 76 pitches. Five innings of a no-hitter. Still pulled out of this one. Um, either the time Matzak let up the hit, and you know Will Smith would let up a hit too. The Braves would end up, you know, taking that 2-1 series lead. It was a commanding lead, not a whole lot of offense in that game. Um, it's really back and forth. None of these games were were too much of blowouts. It felt like the, the biggest blowout was um, the, you know, 7-2 game two win by the Astros. Um, but again, another two different 2 nothing wins by the Braves in this series. Uh, just a fun little fact. Um, some late comebacks, some late rallies. Braves scored three unanswered runs in the sixth and seventh inning total to take game uh, four and, you know, put themselves up three to one. And then a huge late rally from the Astros um, 
after a, uh, I guess kind of a whole game rally because, you know, the Braves didn't do much of anything in that game five um, after hitting a first inning grand slam and thinking, yeah, that's enough. But it wasn't enough. Didn't matter. The Braves absolutely crushed in game six, just absolutely dominant wire to wire win. Um, whole offense was contributing. Jorge Soler hit that three run home run in the top of the third inning. And that felt like a backbreaker for the Astros who had been rallying and rallying and rallying all year long. Um, but just weren't able to rally after that. A lot of their relievers gave up runs more so than they, they usually had. Uh, Yumi Garcia was, was really solid in this world series was, uh, did not allow a single run. Uh, Matten didn't allow a single home, uh, a single run either. And, uh, Presley, who was fantastic all season, a real pain in the butt to deal with Ryan Presley out of this Astros pen this year. Um, actually, a Flower Mound Marcus graduate, grew up in Dallas and graduated from Flower Mound Marcus, um, was eventually drafted by the Red Sox and you know made his way to this Astros pen to be a huge thorn of the side of the Rangers all year and other teams as well that are playing against the Astros. Um but another great game from Freddie Freeman. If that is his last game in a Braves uniform, which I'm really hoping for his sake and for Atlanta's sake and, you know, for the owners' sake, because they're never going to hear the end of it if they let Freddie Freeman walk after the career he's had, after the season he had, after winning an MVP, winning a World Series ring, the first one the Braves have won since the 90s, um, and being there throughout the rebuild really kind of came up right around the time where the last Braves teams that were really good, there was still Chipper Jones and then suffered through the rebuilding years, which, you know, admittedly weren't very long because the Braves did a really great job of retooling. And also when you get a guy who is a generational superstar in Ronald Acuna Jr., that'll kind of help speed up your rebuilding process. You know, unless you're the angels, uh, it, it's really hard to not rebuild faster when you get a generational star. Um, so definitely help them out in there but again this is a team that rebuilt really quickly i hope the rangers can rebuild really 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 quickly but unlike the braves the rangers will not have their star who was homegrown and you know doing great things for them and a multi-time all-star throughout the rebuild to sell some tickets and uh, encourage fans and give you know podcasters like me something to talk about during those lean years of the rebuilding um Hopefully he's going to stay in Atlanta. I don't really know who else would really be a market. There's not really much thought that he would go anywhere else unless the Braves just kind of stiff him, which would be, you know, kind of bravesy and uh, also horribly uncouth. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that he gets to stick around there. It was fun to see him win a World Series. All these guys and, you know, even some of the hurt guys who missed this season, like Ronald Cooney Jr., them being around the team during a World Series run, I think that it was huge. I think that definitely helped them win the World Series, having those guys around as their big cheerleaders, their, you know, their buddies. And uh, it was just a wild postseason from start to finish. I mean, you can't say they had an easy run. I mean, they missed out on facing the Giants, but they had the Dodgers who were just an absolutely stacked team. The Brewers team that had an incredible pitching staff, not as great an offense, but they were able to take care of them without much challenge. Um, took care of LA with just a little bit of challenge. And then we were able to take on Houston, who looked like they were absolutely dominating everyone that, and everyone in their path, except for when they faced the Braves. This was a very fun Braves team. Another you know, show of how a team that you know didn't win... 1,800 games during the regular season, just won 88 games. That was enough to finish in first place in the NL East, the worst division of baseball. But, you know, it was enough. They 
did what they had to do. They acquired talent at the deadline. They were spenders. They didn't get to over 500 till I believe August. So, you know, you got to give them credit for going all out when they did and it paid dividends. And I'm hoping that it sets a precedent among baseball of like, Hey, what if we just actually went for it when we had a pretty decent team, even if the division seems like they seem to be going for it. The Phillies clearly went for it at the deadline. The, you know, the Mets did some things. They kind of went for it at the deadline, not as much as the Braves did, but um, they got some decent pieces. So you can't say they weren't going all in. The Phillies, you know, traded with the Rangers, obviously, to go get themselves a starter and got, um, I believe, a couple other pieces. But Braves were like, no, we've got the team, we think, to do this, even without two of our best players out for the season. And it rewarded them. Baseball was a funny, goofy, ridiculous, dumb, amazing sport where the postseason so many times, especially the more teams you add, the less it kind of dilutes who can win it. I mean, obviously, the, just from a numerical standpoint, but also from a perspective that it is just such a streaky game and it's just about a team giving yourself enough bites of the apple, getting in the postseason enough times, and eventually your team will be peaking at the right time, have just enough right things go their way, not have breaks that absolutely break their team, or just have a team that can suffer through those breaks and um, move on and, you know, be a team of destiny. I felt really good. Also, I was right. I said Braves in six, and it was Braves in six. So um, just a little bit of, of flowers there for myself. Granted, at the beginning of, this, of the postseason, I said that, the White Sox are going to win the World Series. So, um, yeah, don't worry about that. Don't just ignore that. I, I I picked the right one and I picked the right number of games. I don't think I've ever done that before. So I feel pretty good about that. Um, I thought they might have won it in five, but I, I did stick with my Braves in six the whole way through. So um, thank you, Braves, for making me look smart for once in my entire life. I feel like it should happen like at least once. So um, thank you, Braves for doing that and for winning all these former Rangers some World Series rings. Now, I'm going to take a quick break. and come back. I'm going to look a little bit at some of these under-the-radar pitchers, some with some Rangers ties, and maybe maybe a couple hitters. I don't know. We'll see how much time we get to it. But I'm going to look at some of these under-the-radar guys that I think the Rangers should really think about adding to their rotation next year. But first, this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You know, I love Thanksgiving. All the good food and treats and plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Bilt Bars. Bilt Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One size of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. You know, most Bilt Bars only have 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and plenty of protein. You know, they're low-calorie, low-carb, low-fat, and high-end protein covered in 100% real chocolate. Not all of those pies are covered in 100% real chocolate. I mean, pie crust is nice, but it's not as good as being covered in chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings, make things less awkward. You know, maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried Built Bar yet. Aunt Betty, we've been on you. Come on. You got to try Built Bar. Built Bar already. With new surprises, all month, limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly. So check the site often because there is nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday has a huge event with all sorts of surprises that are all, you know, Built Bar related. I mean, I'm sure there's some other ones, but like they're not as good as Built Bar surprises. So our listeners go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
Now, let's take a look at some of these pitchers. There are a lot of free agents, um, a lot of free agent pitchers. But first, we need to look at what the Rangers actually need. What does the Rangers rotation look like next year? Who are some of these, you know, design designated for sure starters in the rotation? Well, I only feel good about, I don't know, two, maybe two. I feel good about them. Um, I feel good about saying Dane Dunning is absolutely going to be a starter next year. No questions, no doubts, no nothing like that. Um, I feel pretty solid about saying that um, that Taylor Hearn's going to be in the rotation. No questions, no doubts. I mean, it was a little iffy towards the back end of the season. It wasn't quite as strong as when he first started. His first five, six, seven, eight starts were really solid. Um, the last couple weren't as great, but still solid enough. Um, I think they feel good about him. And, you know, he's 26 years old. You want to give him a spot in that rotation um, and shore it up with a guy who's going to be one of the longer tenured, tenured veterans on your team, at least longest tenured Ranger, um, which is kind of wild to say, but is true. So, yeah, I feel good about those spots. Other than that, I mean, Spencer Howard's going to get his, his shot in the rotation. Um, we'll kind of see where it goes from there. I don't think AJ Lexi's going to start at the big league level. Um, he could, but I don't think he will. Um, other than that, uh, I don't feel super confident about anybody. Maybe if Kyle Cody's healthy, I don't know. Um, I'm not even sure if he's, he's 26 years old and I think he's been in the system for enough years that he might be susceptible to the rule five or his um, agency might be, um, no, no, no. He's arbitration eligible. So they, they'll still have him um, be a free agent in 2027. So I don't know, but he's got to be healthy. So I have some questions about that. He only pitched in seven games for the Rangers this year, only 11.1 innings did have a really solid 20, nearly 23 innings of work in 2020. But again, not a whole lot to work with a lot of time he's missed due to injury. And, um, but I, I do like what I've seen from him when he's been up at the big league level, Glenn Otto, I think he probably also starts in the minor leagues. I just think that's what's best for him. Same with Jake Latz. Um, some of these guys that came up towards the back end of the season. Um, I don't know if I feel that great about it. also Kohei Ayahara is, is gone. He is no longer a Ranger. So there's another guy out of there. Cole Yallard. I don't, I don't know. I really, I don't feel great about him as a starter, but um, he was really solid in the pen to start the season. And, had a few decent starts, but I don't. I just don't feel super confident about him as a starter. If they need a guy to be their fifth guy or whatever, like, I think he can do it. But I just don't feel super great about him being a designated starter. And there's not a whole lot of guys that did anything super encouraging at AAA this year. Um, there are a few guys that I think might get their cup of coffee at some point. Um, in the big leagues this year in Cole Wynn specifically, mainly just Cole Wynn. I don't know about any of the others. I don't think it's going to be for a while. I think I would like to see him at least, at least two months in AAA. And he'd have to be absolutely dominating AAA, like just beyond reproach of nearly every start for two months for me to feel like, all right, yeah, let's go ahead and get him up. There's no sense in rushing him up to be on a team that's going to be rebuilding again next year. So this team has a lot more slots than I thought they would um, going into next year's rotation. So let's look at some of the guys who I think they should definitely target some guys who obviously 
not like the Clayton Kershaw's and the Robbie Ray's and what have you. Um, but some of the guys that are a little less heralded, a little less thought of that I think would slot in really nicely in this Rangers rotation. But first, this word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. For basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, some of these guys, actually most of these guys, are are people who are in the same vein of the type of pitchers that the Rangers have done the best job with, guys who are either former first-round picks, former top prospects, guys who have been in the big leagues for a little while and had maybe a little success, maybe haven't had that much success at all, just been kind of fine um, and haven't quite lived up to their expectations or they've had injuries or what have you. And... Um, they're just guys who I think the Rangers can rebuild. They've had a lot of success with those guys, even transitioning guys from the bullpen to being an all-star starter, in one case, in Mike Miner, um, who hadn't started since he was in Atlanta several years back and was an all-star with the Rangers and had a top 10 Cy Young finish. Also, Lance Lynn, a guy who had bounced around for quite a bit, was okay, pretty decently thought of with the Cardinals, was just kind of a fine pitcher, and then they refined him. They found something in his mechanics or his, um, I think it was just that they made him a, almost a completely fastball only kind of pitcher with the four seamer, the sinker, the cutter, um, and then the very, very occasional curveball as well. And that has really worked out very well for him. And uh, he has signed an extension and had several top 10 Cy Young finishes, probably I think will be top five this year, if not top three, if not win it. I don't know. I don't think he's actually going to, I think Robbie Ray is and probably should. It's a bummer. He missed so much time. Lance Lynn did, but I think he would have won the Cy Young if he had stayed healthy for the entire season, an incredibly consistent pitcher. Um, and same with Kyle Gibson, a guy who the Rangers were able to trade for a guy who was a former top 100 prospect and Spencer Howard. Hopefully they can use some of these same, you know, whatever they've used dark magic or, um, analytics or I don't know what have you to, um, fix Spencer Howard and make him a consistent starter like they're hoping that he can be. Because if not, um, I'm sure Hans Kraus is going to turn into an amazing prospect. I still hate that they had to give him up. It makes me so angry, especially seeing how well he had bounced back after a couple of years where there were some questions about Hans Kraus and would he ever be anywhere close to what he was initially projected when he was a second-round pick by the Rangers all those years ago. But anyway, this is a long-winded way of me Beating around the bush, because I got five guys who I think the Rangers should definitely take a look at. Um, maybe these aren't all as realistic as I would like them to be, but um, I have my reasons. I have very good reasons. The first one is Thor, Noah Syndergaard, the former Met, um, who is going to be a free agent. He was born in Mansfield, Texas, went to high school in Mansfield Legacy, was drafted out of high school in Mansfield Legacy by the Toronto Blue Jays in the first round, a 38th overall pick back in 2010, um, has done fairly well. 
early on in his career with the Mets, but injuries, uh, Tommy John surgery specifically, basically cost him all of the last two seasons. Um, he pitched two innings in uh, two separate games. He was a starter in both those games, but only went one inning. Kind of like a, hey, look, I'm still here. My arm still works. Um, he wasn't quite throwing the same level of gas that he was earlier on in his career before the Tommy John surgery. But again, I think he will recover nicely and um, have a very, very solid 2022 season. And uh, the Mets are definitely having some issues about their cheapness right now. And they have let some other very good starting pitchers go. Um, I don't know if he has a proclivity to come home. Noah and I have not spoken very openly about his desire to return to, to Manfield, but I'm sure that's at least a little bit, a little bit of a draw. I don't know. He's been an all-star. He had a top 10 Cy Young finish, um, finished top five in rookie of the year voting back in 2015. Um, it was an all-star in 2016, his second year in the big leagues had a 260 ERA in um, 183 and two thirds innings, struck out 216, um, had another 200 plus strikeout season in 2019, his last full season in the big leagues pitched uh just under 200 innings, 197.2, um, or I guess 0.6667, repeating, whatever. Um, was a little bit homer prone that year, allowed 24 home runs. Um, definitely has some absolutely nasty raw stuff. From 2015, when he made his debut to 2018, he had an ERA plus over 100, so an above average pitcher all of those years, 117, 155 ERA plus, 2016 when he was an all-star, um, and a 260 ERA that season has been really, really solid. And uh, fairly consistent, but again, Tommy John surgery is just a huge pain in the butt. And um, maybe, maybe the Rangers can blow him away a little bit with a contract offer and um, bring him back home to Texas. I would absolutely love to see this guy in a Rangers uniform. Maybe not quite as much as Clayton Kershaw, but it it's right about on the same level. I think um, he still has got a lot of really great baseball left in him. He is still young. He uh, turned 29 in. Uh, August 29th, actually. Um, so he's going to be 29 almost all of next season. So if the Rangers offered him somewhere in the range of a four or five year deal, I know it's a little risky for someone coming off Tommy John surgery. Um, this guy who's been pretty big, pretty big on the scene for the last couple of years. So maybe he's not as much on the radar, but since he hasn't pitched basically in two years, I mean, I, I kind of count those, those two games. I think he's somebody that the Rangers should definitely target. Um, another guy, the former, Top prospect, a uh, former guy with a lot, a lot of uh, heat on him. A two-time All-Star back in 2014, 2016 with Atlanta is Julio Tehran, um, a guy who I honestly have no idea what has happened to this guy. He went from young, perennial All-Star, very solid pitcher, um, to the last two years have been very unkind to him. Uh, in 2020, he was with the... Um, Angels, he pitched in 10 games. Nine of those were starts, 31 and third innings, hitting 10.05 ERA. Um, the FIP says it was a little bit unlucky. ERA plus of 45. Um, this year, literally just one appearance, and it was a, a start of uh, five innings for the Detroit Tigers. He had uh, only gave up one run. He struck out just three in those five innings and walked three, um, so a 180 ERA in his literally one start. But in 2018, 2019, still pretty decently solid seasons, about 175 innings both of those years. In ERA, just under four. 2018, he had a 394 ERA. And in 2019, he had a 381 ERA. Um, was an all-star, like I said, 2014, 2016. So it's been a few years, about half a decade 
but he's still decently young. He's going to be 31, I believe, next year. Um, yeah, he's going to turn 31 in uh, the end of January this upcoming year. So still quite a few years. I think he's right about on the sweet spot of a guy who is a former all-star, and I don't know what the heck's happened to him, but obviously had one decent start with Detroit. I don't know what all that means. Um, had a really, really bad season in 2020 with the Angels. Still not exactly sure why they gave up on him um, in Atlanta after 2019, uh, after a pretty just decent season. Not all-star decent, but, you know, fine enough. And he had been kind of up and down a little bit before then, but like still always a consistently solid starter, and the Rangers could use one of those. Um, and a guy with a lot of years of experience. So, I don't know, definitely a guy to look out for um, for the Rangers. Another guy on this list Aaron Sanchez pitched for the Giants. Um, so, yeah, that's great. He has an ERA title under his belt. Um, also is a one-time All-Star. That was in 2016. Um, I believe the year that he had the ERA title. That might have also been 2016. Um, he pitched 192 innings that year. Um, struck out 161. Not a huge strikeouts guy. Um, a career strikeouts per nine of 7.2. Two, uh, a little bit of a walk problem, four walks per nine innings for his career, and uh, just under one home run per nine innings in his seven-year major league career. This year, pitched a little bit with the Giants, uh, did not pitch in 2020. Um, he pitched in uh, nine games, seven of those were starts, 35 and a third innings, had a 306 ERA, um, an ERA plus of 135. A FIP was a little higher than that at 4.05. But again, a guy who doesn't strike out a whole lot of people, has a little bit of a home run problem. Not as much this year, just two home runs in 35 innings, but 15 walks in those 35 innings. That's something I think the Rangers could and maybe might be able to change. Um, Billy 29 uh, for the upcoming season. So one of the younger free agents, um, actually, yeah, just turned 29 July 1st of this year. So a guy who has been an all-star, who has an ERA title, um, Definitely something that uh, the Rangers could look out for. He also finished top 10 in Cy Young voting that year, uh, finished seventh in 2016 as a 23-year-old, and uh, couldn't quite re replicate that success the next couple of years um, in Toronto. Also pitched half season in uh, Houston. Four starts um, there, I guess not technically half season, but basically half season um, as a 26-year-old in 2019 with Houston. So I don't know. Anybody who the Giants, you know, touch, I feel like they've almost done a better job of what the Rangers have been trying to do with these kind of older guys. Um, but definitely someone to keep an eye on for sure. Another guy who has been very consistent when he's healthy, a uh, former first round pick, um, James Paxton, a guy who is a lefty, 6'4. Um, he is, where we go, 32 years old, um, turning 33 in uh on saturday so um happy early birthday james paxton um if you become a ranger if not well happy birthday anyway um so a guy who has been very consistent started in the big league in 2013 has been with seattle was with seattle from 2013 all the way through 2018 was in new york for 2019 and 2020 um 2020 wasn't super great to him but um this past year he went back to seattle only pitched in one game um, had a 6.75 ERA in one inning and a third. Um, started the game and I believe came out injured. But a guy who is you know struggled to stay healthy. But when he is healthy, he is a very very solid lefty starter. A guy who has a lot of years of experience and has a lot of years of experience pitching against the AL West. Definitely a guy to look out for. 
But again, he's going to be 33 years old, so um, maybe offering him a three-year deal might be enough. But again, I think he might want to go back to the Mariners. But a guy to look out for. If the Mariners don't end up signing him, I think he's a guy to definitely keep an eye on. And one last guy, a guy who has been with the same team for his entire major league career, which has been from 2013 to 2021, is a guy named Carlos Martinez, one of the most dominant minor league pitchers I have ever seen. Um, a two-time all-star, a guy who has, again, struggled with injuries. Um, this past year was, you know, more relatively healthy than he had been in quite a long time. Um, from 2015 to 2017, he was absolutely dominant. 2015, he made his first all-star appearance. Made his big league debut at age 21. Um, but in 2015, which might be his best season, I'd, I'd say his, his best season, his first all-star year, pitched 179 innings, struck out 184 um, with a 301 ERA. Um, in 2017, he made his second all-star team at age 25, had a 364 ERA for the season in 205 innings, struck out 217. Um, an ERA plus above 100, um, actually 116 or better from 2015 all the way to 2019. Um, but made the transition to being more of a bullpen arm in 2019, 2020. Um, didn't pitch all that much under 50 innings in both of those years. Um, last pitched over hundred innings back in 2018 as a 26 year old um, had a 311 ERA that year um, pitched 118 innings. Like I said, um, but this year, not a great year for him at all at all by his standards. I mean, he was 29 years old this season, pitched in 16 games, 82 in a third innings, a 623 ERA, um, and 57 strikeouts in his 82 innings, which is well below his career average. His career average of strikeouts per nine is 8.6. This year he was at 6.2. So, um, yeah, that was not super great for him. Um, also was completely lit up by homers in 2020 of his uh, five starts. So not as much a problem this year was right around his career average of 0.8 home runs per nine innings. He was at 0.9. So I don't know a guy who after that season, I don't think the Cardinals are going to be super intent on bringing him back, but he does have a career body of work of when he's healthy. He is absolutely nasty. And um, if the Cardinals let him slip, I think that's a guy the Rangers should definitely pursue a guy who I think they could rebuild into maybe an all-star form. I'm not quite sure, but definitely a guy who's got a lot of talent and is worth taking a chance on despite the injuries. He's got a track record and a lot of stuff and a lot of experience. So I think he's someone the Rangers should definitely keep an eye on. He was at least mostly healthy this year. And I think that's what you're going for. If you can get a guy who's healthy and um, who has that track record, even if he kind of fell off a little bit last year um, and even the year before, he's a guy who's, who's definitely um, just got a lot of pure stuff. And I think the Rangers can do something with it. So those are my five pitchers. I think the Rangers who are a little bit under the radar, the Rangers should take a look at, or at least aren't on the main radars of guys who people think the Rangers should go get. They have at least two, if not three spots in their rotation to fill this year. Um, at the very least, you need one, um, probably two, maybe even a third, maybe a kind of middling guy for a third guy. But if you sign like two of these guys or two guys of this kind of ilk, um, whether it's these specific guys or maybe someone like Vince, La Vince Velasquez or I don't know, somebody else off of the proverbial scrap heap um, or guys who just haven't quite achieved what they thought they would at this point, the Rangers have done a pretty good job the last couple of years of hitting on those guys. Now they haven't been hundred percent Mike Fultinevich and, uh, 
and Jordan Lyles didn't quite pan out this year. Jordan Lyles, I think, was fine, but was just about where he was. Volte Devitt showed that um, he could not quite get back to that all-star form. Fastball was not quite there. The breaking stuff was not quite there. Um, but again, three all-stars is um, is pretty impressive track record, and I think that shows they know what they're doing. So whatever guys I think they're targeting, I'm hoping that it might be one of these guys. Not that Thor is, is a guy who hasn't lived up to it. He's literally just been hurt on Tommy John surgery. And um, I would just like to bring him home because he is very fun. He's very good at tweeting and um, also makes a lot, of, a lot of jokes on Twitter at the expense of Mr. Met, which I think is hilarious. And um, he's from Texas and he throws 100 miles an hour. And that's fun. He's also got the Thor hair. So um, very, very fun. If someone could get him a Mjolnir in um, a free agent meeting, maybe that would sway him, make some kind of semi-realistic Thor's hammer and uh, that might sway him or the, you know, the ax from the most recent movies, maybe both. I don't know, whatever it takes, maybe get him a Cape. I don't know. Let him pitch with a Cape. That could be a whole lot of fun. Um, and maybe like the, the Thor helmet instead of, you know, the traditional baseball cap. I don't know. Just spitballing some ideas of what it might take to get him here. I'm very excited for this off season. Um, the Rangers have a lot, a lot of potential um, areas to fix these this next off season, and um, it's definitely going to be a wild ride. I'm hoping that um, whatever the lockout is doesn't last too long. I'll be going into that more next week. I also have a guest planning on being on the show next week. Um, not a pitcher, but definitely around the range a whole lot. Knows a whole lot, and I'm very excited to tell you about that once we get all that confirmed. But that's going to do it for this week's editions of Locked On Rangers. If you haven't. Listen to my interview with the one, the only Zach Kent. Please go ahead, go back and listen to that. Watch it on YouTube. Subscribe to Locked On Rangers on YouTube. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. I really appreciate y'all. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.